You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. I'm truly honored and pleased to be with you. There's so many faces I recognize from previous years that I've been here in spite of the masks, and it, it truly makes me happy to be in Christian fellowship with you. This series that I have this year um, is all text from Ezekiel. Two years ago when I was here, I preached on stranger things from the Old Testament, and I, I suppose this time around, it's um, uh, just as strange things from the Old Testament, but I love the book of Ezekiel, and as we get into this, I'm um, heartened with the thought that you too will enjoy it as much as I do. This morning, the lesson is from Ezekiel 47, and it's from Ezekiel's vision of a restored temple. And so if you remember, the people are in exile in Babylon, They're being punished for their sins, and yet God gives Ezekiel this powerful word of hope, a restored temple. So, from Ezekiel 47, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water It was ankle-deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water. It was knee-deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water. It was waist-deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea. From Engedi to Inaglam, it will be a place for the spreading of nets. 
its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. The Valley of the Dry Bones that we heard about yesterday, skeletons being fleshed out and coming to life, let's admit, was pretty strange. But here we have an even stranger vision, a restored temple, indeed one with a river that brings healing and wholeness, just as if Adam and Eve had never sinned. We don't have temples. Our church buildings, no matter how magnificent, are not temples. God established the temple as a place where he would tangibly meet his people. It was his dwelling place of sacrifice, praise, and prayer. The temple constructed under King Solomon lasted approximately 400 years until it was destroyed by the Babylonians. This destruction was the trauma through which Ezekiel lived. For us, this may not come across as a big deal, but it would be as if Washington, D.C. were obliterated. That would get our attention. God is purely spiritual, but having created us, he knows that we are physical beings. He honors our physicality by giving us tangible signs of his presence. Water and holy baptism, or bread and wine in the Holy Eucharist, for instance, are signs that God provides to secure and undergird his promise to love us. In Old Testament times, people experienced God tangibly when he was present to them in signs, like the Shekinah glory. What's that? The Shekinah, or glory of God, was manifest as a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day when Moses led the children of Israel through the wilderness. This same Shekinah alighted on the temple when Solomon dedicated it, indicating God's abode there. Shockingly, early in his book, Ezekiel describes the Shekinah as leaving the temple. Again, that may not come across like a major event to us, but it is major. It would be like learning that your parents aren't really your parents and that you were adopted. The Shekinah leaving the temple shows that God is walking away from his people. Given the people's idolatries and injustices, God has every right to do so. His people have broken the covenant. It's not that God is mean and throws a tantrum. It's that God is no swinger. He refuses to allow his people to give themselves over to other deities, 
false gods who are not kind or benign, but instead cruel and abusive. To all this, God says no. And why? Because God wants all of you. And God doesn't want to share you. But just as we saw yesterday that God comes to bring new life, so here we see that God is reestablishing his temple. God refuses to let the people's sin and indifference define their lives. Instead, the exiles return to the promised land. Ultimately, that to which they return is something far grander than some plot of turf. In fact, what Ezekiel foresees is a restoration of Eden for the world coming about precisely through this new temple. And dear friends in Christ, brothers and sisters, you belong to that restoration. It's not only that God wants all of you, but that he also wants to fulfill you. He wants you to experience deep and satisfying joy. He promises you that, and beginning in this life and continuing on into the next, he will make good on this promise. The Holy Land, as you know, is a dry climate and water counts. The Hebrews figured out ways to collect water in cisterns so that it would be readily available throughout the year. But the Jordan River, no matter how pleasant, is no major artery, like, say, the Mississippi. That said, Ezekiel is shown a river issuing from the temple. And like the Mississippi, it is a mighty river. To traverse it, you begin ankle-deep and then move on to knee-deep and waist-deep, and then this trickle becomes big enough to swim in. True enough, the Jordan River is big enough to splash around in, but I think Ezekiel foresees a river mightier than the Jordan. Most importantly, the water transforms. Where Jordan's fresh waters flow into the killing saline of the Dead Sea, this river changes brackish salt water into fresh and it evokes an abundance of fish to teem in its eddies, as well as flora of all kinds to flourish along its banks. It brings about the Garden of Eden, restored to earth. And so, as Ezekiel put it, and on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. As mentioned, our church buildings are not temples. A congregation properly assembled around word and sacrament, not a building. The temple to which we as Christians look is nothing other than Christ himself. And our Lord Jesus Christ promises to all who believe rivers of living water will flow from them.
just as God transformed a heap of dry old bones and made them into a mighty living people, as we heard yesterday. So God is transforming us, transforming you, making you anew each day, helping you grow more and more on your reliance on Jesus, knowing that if you needed him yesterday, how much more you need him today. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. As a pastor and teacher, it has been my privilege to see the difference that Christ makes in people's lives. Let me share a couple of instances from adult learners who have given me their testimonies. One is an Air Force officer who most of his career served overseas. He had had a distinguished career, but in middle age, like so many others, he underwent a crisis. He lost his bearings with all his responsibilities and the high expectations that he put on himself. He felt like Atlas, carrying all the world on his shoulders. His relationship with his family and those under his charge became strained and suffered. He felt that he, and he alone, was responsible for everyone else's success and that it would be unacceptable if any of them should fail. Living under this weight of responsibility finally got to him. Unfortunately, he ended up depressed, even hospitalized. Here he was, a strapling fellow from rural Iowa, a tough man's man, but broken by the weight of responsibilities. Hospitalized, he ended up virtually catatonic. It was in this brokenness that he, raised a Quaker, believed that he had heard the voice of God. Just like Elijah in the wilderness hearing the still, soft voice, the message he received was, you need not bear this alone. That message was pure grace to him. Not the story of the prodigal son, but instead the duteous elder brother had defined his life. He was ever a man beholden to duty, but his duty became overwhelming for him. But nothing, nothing is overwhelming to God, certainly not a list of rules. Accepting that God was there for him, shouldering what he could not shoulder, he was released from his burden. This is God's world after all, and God takes responsibility for it. At best, you and I are stewards. Slowly, he was able to lift his head, then his upper body, Within a matter of days, he was walking again. He became a free man because he acknowledged that God was in charge. In his own way, God would bring all the things that my student had been fretting about to their completion. That truth liberated him. Another student, again an adult learner, had successfully kept his alcoholism and drug addictions hidden for decades until finally... They came to eat him up alive. Not only did he lose his job and his marriage, 
he also lost his home. In fact, any place to live. He became homeless and for a winter lived underneath a bridge over the interstate. Given that Iowa winters are more severe than Alabama winters, that's pretty significant. Such brokenness was a wake-up call. It put into motion this sequence. Going to AA, becoming sober, going to a halfway house, and eventually finishing college. Now in his early 60s, he is training to become a chemical dependency therapist. He knows how powerful an addiction can be, but he also knows that God's grace can reach out to people at even their lowest point and slowly reshape them. Ezekiel makes it clear that God is in the healing business. Jesus is the great physician. I don't need to tell you that in this life, our bodily troubles may not always be healed, but God has a plan that lasts into eternity. How do you need healing today? How will God's healing waters make a difference for you? Do you need to forgive someone of a wrong? Do you need to detach from spiteful co-workers? Do you need to exercise more courage or wisdom or moderation? Do you need to give your worries over into God's hands and trust that he only has the best for you and those for whom you care? Only you can answer that question, but you are not alone. Jesus is here, ready to make a difference in your life. God brings healing to you by giving you the fruits of the Spirit. And folks, you know them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What God begins in this life, he will perfect in eternity when your old Adam or old Eve will no longer try to govern your life, but will be gone forever. God raises the dead in the valley of the dry bones, ultimately for eternal life. The healing that God provides from this restored temple is his delight gushing out of heaven itself. And God has that delight in store for you. Of late, it isn't as popular to preach about heaven. So many preachers feel that faith must make a difference for this life. But when you are secure about eternity, that there is a mansion for you in heaven, you have the generosity in your heart to make a difference in this world. You too can channel this river from the restored temple to bring healing to your family and your community. My friends, through Jesus' death and resurrection, you are no longer in a graveyard of dry bones. You are God's own adopted son or daughter. You have the promise of heaven as your delight. You will grow not just in this life, but continue on growing into eternity.
in Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.com.